You are listening to Get With IT, a podcast by IT Ops Times. I'm Jacob Lukowitz, multimedia editor at IT Ops Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about what exactly is technical debt, what causes it, and if left unmanaged, how it can affect business operations. With me today is Suna Engsig, VP of Product Development at LeapWork. Hi, Suna. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming on. Hi, Jakub, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So to start off, can you tell me a bit about yourself and about LeapWork? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my name is Suna. I am a member of the executive product team here at LeapWork. We uh, obviously build uh, a test automation uh, solution. We've uh, been around since uh, 2017 in, in the marketplace, at least, uh, where we are contributing with enabling testers and testing teams all over the world to to gain uh, access to automated testing without having the, you know, requiring the ability to code. So that's essentially what we're doing. We're trying to expand and enhance uh, the ability to obtain test automation for, you know, testing and develop, development and delivery teams across. Um, but again, using this new way of, uh, of uh, uh, a uniform approach based on a visual language where you uh, you focus on the business process rather than driving code. Mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting. And um, for our audience, can you tell us a bit about uh, what is technical debt and why it's important for businesses to understand this concept? Sure. Uh, and I think uh, I'll obviously keep it in 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 the, in the perspective of, of testing, uh, for sure, because obviously that's where I'm coming from, because obviously technical debt has uh, many faces and, and many shapes. I was in a conversation with one of our clients recently where we talked about this because they framed this message, I think, very eloquently, uh, which is that uh, technical debt is essentially the, you know, the killer of innovation, the silent killer, I think they said. The reason for that being that, you know, when you have technical debt, and I'll come back to, you know, okay, then what is it? But, you know, when you have it, um, and obviously, it's not it's not a choice that you make in the sense of saying, "Hey, let's build technical debt." Uh, it's it's something that occurs over time as you constantly have to make tough choices and prioritizations in terms of where you want to take your business and which capabilities you want to make available for yourself, be it internally, be it externally towards your marketplace, of course. Um, so, so navigating this technical debt, uh, managing your business continuity, being able to do the things that you want to do with the speed that you want to do it. That's essentially, uh, I think, at least for me, the framing for, you know, why is it that killer of innovation? Because essentially, it's, uh, it takes the initiative away from you. Uh, there are things that you, uh, that you need to do at any given time. And the testing angle to that for me uh, you know, okay, then how to make sense of all that. Um, what we know from the conversations with our clients is that one of the drivers, you know, why can't I just manage technical debt? Why can't I be ahead of that curve? One of the reasons for that is uh, that they simply spend too much time figuring out if they have a problem um, coming from testing manually. So um, going back to that client that I was talking to, that was actually one of the main gains. They didn't see that ahead of of starting test automation there you know on their journey but that was one of the things that they realized um that the ability to 
get automation running, especially when you look at it from a regression perspective. Of course, regression being the constant verification of whatever it is that you've got running already is untampered uh, and you know unscathed through whatever changes it is that you introduce. Um, so, so having that ability to continuously monitor your system and your infrastructure landscape and figure out if it's actually behaving as expected, that actually puts you ahead of the curve. That actually puts you in a situation where you spot these things and these events and can make proactive decisions on how to manage them. Mm. That was a long rant. Hope it makes sense. Sure does. Uh, can you explain a bit about the uh, the silent part of the silent killer uh, aspect? Is it is it because a lot of companies don't have that yeah. continuous monitoring in place? No, I would rather say that um, for most organizations, right? So you have to, as I mentioned previously, uh, there's a lot of, of tough prioritizations to be done on a daily basis. If you're in a competitive landscape, you know, what, what things to do. Um, uh, sometimes there are elective uh, agendas that you can say, right? Ideally, I'd, I'd do something over here because it's it's starting to to squeak a little, but hey, it still works. So I, I'll focus on bringing this great new feature into the marketplace instead. And maybe that feature uh, will take you twice as long to do due to the nature of this, um, you know, uh, heritage piece of technology or legacy technology that you have over here, um, or maybe uh, complexity of delivering it or the stability of running it is is affected uh, by by this thing over here. But if you wanted to do the, the you know the real thing, the right thing, and and you know do the upgrade over there and, and make sure that that's out now, you know, in a timely fashion, it's up to date. You know, then the project would take twice as long. So in most organizations, of course, what happens is that they go for the they go for the immediate fix, right? And they say, okay, we're going to worry later about this. We're going to fix that one later. And what happens uh, when you work in that regime? Um, uh, that client I was talking about previously also had another interesting perspective. They call it the 80-20 rule. Uh, that's not a new term. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard that before. But this time when it comes to, to driving and managing your innovation and saying, ideally, you have 20% of your resources going into running the machine. And then the remaining 80%, you can focus on taking it you know somewhere else taking it to where you're you want to drive your business now as as you force these different problems upon yourself due to prioritizations and choices that you make over time what most organizations see is that this 80 20 split is shifting um maybe it's 60 40 maybe it's 50 50 maybe it's even worse than that and obviously going back to what i said previously gradually uh, you lose your initiative, right? Because mm -hmm. then you, you you get into a situation where um, uh, the, the technology debt either forces you to spend more time on maintenance chores and just keeping it running, um, or as I mentioned previously, you know the extended time it takes for you to do maybe even simple things due to the complexity that you have running uh, under the hood. And uh, so so this this perspective of saying that. How do we get to that point where we, again, remain in charge, remain with the initiative, with, uh, with the ability to respond, um, requires that you somehow, some way uh, can determine and to drive, can drive your development and your operations effort where you, can, where you can always have that, you could say, 
availability of resources to do the things that you want to do um, in a in a elective fashion, if you will. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And um, are you seeing that the the complexity of of testing environments has made uh, technical debt grow, or have there been no, you know, no. automation? No? no, testing environments are just a messenger. Um, so so um what what you know that when when you are in an organization if you have an advanced complex and, and you know let's let's talk about modern technology SaaS based businesses um using you know dynamics 365 using salesforce or whatever it is you know they are subject to um a very different release regime they don't control the code anymore um they are subject to to these releases uh coming when the vendor um you know have them ready um so obviously these are not coming like a thief in the night right so if you mm -hmm. take the example of microsoft they have two you know these biannual uh notifications or messages uh, they call them the waves which basically tells you all right during the next six months these are the things that's going to happen and this this is uh, the timing of them roughly mm -hmm. Um, for you as the recipient of this, what does this mean? Well, it means, you know, going back to regression that all of a sudden you are now forced to do these verifications, these, uh, this testing, uh, in order to ensure that whenever Microsoft pushes great new features into the hand, into your hands, you know, that you are unaffected by it, that your ability to, uh, to continue your operations as before is uh, is there right so mm -hmm. obviously that's the heart of, of regression testing now what most of these organizations discover is coming from manual testing they can't they can't keep up with this pace if you want to do a full regression suite and if you're working in for instance bfsi you're a you're a pension uh fund uh administrator or something you know you you want to you want you the risks that you can take uh the your, your risk profile is is very conservative right you're heavily regulated there are huge fines if you if you don't have your your ducks in a row um so you need to do these things um which means that you find yourself running this uh laborious uh testing regime uh, uh time and time again because these releases if you take microsoft uh, for some of the Dynamics applications like FNO, this is a monthly event. Uh, this is something, you know, either it's the proactive security updates or either it's it's new features and functions coming in. Either way, ideally, you have uh, you have that proactive perspective of, because obviously you have access in advance as a customer, so what happens when I roll this on? Um, if you're doing that manually, you you can't keep up. So what happens? You sit one out, right? Microsoft will let you sit one out, um, maybe also two, but then it starts to get tricky. And then they will force these updates upon you unless you have a very special uh, arrangement with Microsoft. Um, mm -hmm. And and now I'm sure, you know, we can see, okay, what's technical debt? You know, it's it's you running on, on, on ancient versions of something uh, due to your lack of uh, ability to validate and ensure that you have control of your business continuity. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So when when should businesses prioritize reducing technical debt over adding new features or functionalities uh, to the products or systems? Um, yeah, I've you know I don't think there's a golden nugget to that one. Obviously, the the simple question is always mm -hmm. um, if uh, and obviously if they could, they would. Um, 
I strongly believe, and and you know, we have testament to 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 that case that you know, starting with uh, getting your uh, your testing uh, automated. Um, and when I say automated, it's not just a case of of um, because most people think, yeah, okay, automating my test cases means that I, they run you know by themselves, blah blah blah. But there's so much more to it than that. Um, it's the consistency and the predictability that you get from automated testing that really provides you the value. Manual testing, uh, testing by nature is repetitive. It's mm. it's uh, effort intensive, at least when you do it manually. It's uh, error prone. Um, testing is you know when when you have people doing testing for you, um, and they and they run the same test for the nth time, maybe even during the day. Um, you know, it's, it's a fact that, you know, the, the error rate climbs and obviously error rate in testing means that you slip these issues through, uh, towards production, right? When issues hits production, additional effort needs to be taken in to fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that during some of your, uh, your work in the past, you've come across this, this old conversation of, you know, what's the cost of fixing an error once it's, it, it reaches production, right? Um, so, so having continuous, stable, predictable uh, automation ensuring your quality of your software means that these things will not sneak up on you. Uh, mm -hmm. You will know these things in advance. In fact, uh, some of our clients are notifying Microsoft in advance that some unforeseen changes in the Dynamics application infrastructure has been detected. And, you know, a week later, Microsoft's, uh, you know, changed it back. So, so, um, and this is not a conversation of whether or not Microsoft is not delivering quality. They are for sure. Um, I think all Dynamics clients will vouch for that. It's just a case of saying that these changes and these impacts that happens during these unstable stages, you know, finds their way into, uh, into production, uh, into your deliverables. All right. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for today's show. And I want to thank you again, Zuno, for coming on. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. 